Welcome to the Wellspring Community Church Podcast, where we exist to help real people find real hope in a real world. We hope today's message encourages you. Let's get into today's episode. Would you do me a favor, like we've done every week in this series, if you're able to, if you're not able to, that's okay, stay seated, but if you are able to stand, uh, would you stand? And we're gonna read, uh, you should have this passage memorized by now. Uh, we're in week six of this series, but here it is, Psalm 23, the most famous passage of scripture. Read it along with me. The Bible says this, the Lord is my, hold on, no, 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 that was terrible. Read it along with me, okay? I wanted to get into your bosom, all right? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And this is what we're gonna, sorry to interrupt you. This is what we're talking about today. This is the lean in today. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can we put a clap offering to the reading of God's word today? Father, we love you, we worship you. God, we have read your word, now would you anoint your word. May it minister to your sons and daughters today. Father, may I get out of the way and nobody see me, but will they see the Holy Spirit speaking to their hearts today? That's what we need, a touch, a word from God today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. High five somebody next to you, find a seat. Psalm 23, uh, verse four. While you're being seated, let me say this to you today. I believe that somebody came to church today and you're gonna, you're gonna have a, a divine appointment from God. You thought you were just coming to church to come to church, but I believe God has a divine appointment to you. It was at 1045, he woke you up, you got your kids checked in, you got your outfit on, and you are here today because God has a divine moment that he wants to give to you today. The other thing is this, I, I'm 42, that's young or old, depending on how you look at it. But the older that I get, as I walk with Jesus, I've been walking with him for 25 years, been in church my whole life. The longer I read the word and the longer I'm with Jesus, I've learned a principle, and I wanna teach it to you maybe in another series, but that you should slow down as you read God's word. It's not the amount that you read, it's how much of it gets in you. So that's what we've done in this series. We've just slowed down. And the slower that you read the scripture, the slower that you process it, we do something in our staff, we call it Lectia Divina. It's divine hearing. We read it multiple times. We let it minister to our spirit. We let, it's just so important. And as you read God's word, as you read it slowly, here's what verse four says on the screen again. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I just wanna say this before we go any further today, before we even get into the meat of the message today, let me just say this to you. If you're in church today and you're in a dark valley, you're in a depressed season, you're in a season of unknown, 
Maybe you're in a season where your spouse has said something, your kids have said something, your boss has said something. You're, you're in a valley moment. You're not on the mountaintop moment of life, but you're in the deepest, darkest valley. You're discouraged, a little defeated. Maybe you're battling anxiety, but you're in a low place in your life. Can I just tell you what verse four says? Verse four says that we are to walk through the valley. You know what that tells me? Don't stop. Don't put a campsite up. Don't get married. Don't date. Don't start new habits. Go back to what you know when you are in a valley season. The other thing that I know, and I'm not even into the message yet. The other thing that the Bible says that we are to walk through the darkest valley. Notice it doesn't say run. Notice it doesn't say speed walk. It says to walk, to walk. You know why that's so important? If you run in the dark, you're gonna get Legos in your toes. Come on, somebody. Walk. Even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, even though I'm walking, I'm not stopping, I'm not setting up a tent, I'm walking through the valley, I'm walking through the dark valley, I'm walking. The more you run in the valley, the less learning that you get. Walk through the valley. But the good news is his rod and his staff, they comfort you. How many of you today, by the raising of your right hand, love scary rides? Come on, love scary rides. Love scary. How many of you parents thoroughly enjoyed taking your kids on a scary ride for the very first time? I loved it. It was the greatest thing. Especially my two youngest. Uh, my son, Liam, if you've never met Liam, Liam is incredible. He's my favorite of the kids, but don't tell Dakota and Layla. Joking, but not. But yeah, I love all three of them. But Liam is special. Liam just loves his dad, just wants to be around his dad. And I remember when I took Liam on his first roller coaster. We're big Disney people, and there's a ride at Hollywood Studios at Disney World called the Tower of Terror. And it goes up and down. And I remember taking Liam on this ride for the very first time, and Liam said, Dad, as he's crying, he's like, I'm probably a horrible dad at this moment, but I'm fighting him to go on it. And he says, Dad, finally, he goes, I'll go on it, but Dad, I need you to take your leg and put your leg over top of my legs. So we're sitting, and he says, take your leg and put it over my leg. And I said, come again? He said, Dad, take your leg and put it over my leg, and then I'll do the ride. The moment I put my leg over his leg, peace invaded his body. Now, how many know he's young enough, a little bit naive enough, maybe a little stupid enough to think that my leg is gonna keep his butt on the seat? <laughs> he still got up, he still, his butt came off the seat, but something brought him peace because he knew dad was with him. Can I just tell you, you're gonna walk through some dark valleys, but you can be confident that your dad is with you. The father is with you. I wanna talk to somebody today. How many of you wanna grow in your faith today? I want to talk to some people today. This is continuing our summer series. So I want to talk to you some today. Can I just tell you before I even get into the message, stop praying away the valley season. Way too many Christians are praying their way out of a valley season. And for many of us, God has got you in the valley season for a purpose. There's a reason why you're in it. It's not, it's not because of sin. It's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you've lost connection with God. God will allow you and sometimes direct you into a valley season for a purpose, for a reason. 
If you need a title of the message today, you can write it down this way, The Dark Valley. Week six, The Dark Valley. Many of us have been there. You are there or you will be there one day. How many of you know this right here is a dark valley? Come on, somebody. <laughs> oh, it finally got you right there. How many of you know I'd be fearing evil if I was that little chihuahua right there? How many of you know he better know the scripture? He will never leave me and never forsake me. But let's be honest, really honest. What you have prayed for has not happened. And you have prayed that everything would work out great in your life. Can I just tell you, that's not what you need and that's not even really what you want. In fact, all the great movies that we watch are great movies because of the great conflict. Your favorite movie is because of the great conflict. I love Rocky, any Rocky lovers in the house? I love Rudy, anybody remember Rudy, old Rudy? Remember the Titans? 300, come on, Braveheart. I gave a lot of guy movies. Okay, uh, The Notebook. It's yeah. cute, Notebook. How about Titanic? The other night, I just got a bone to pick with the writers of Titanic. The other night, I was flipping through the channels and I was watching the 16 and a half hour movie called The Titanic. And it's the moment, I don't even know her name, but it's the moment where she's leaning, she's hanging on this piece of wood and she's leaning over as homeboy is slowly dying and she says, I'll never release you, I'll never let you go. And then what does she do? How stupid can you be? You should have said, I'm gonna let you go and you're gonna die, but I'm gonna be okay. Praise the Lord. Right, right? But anyways, come on, I'm trying to preach to somebody. But how many of you know the greater the conflict, the greater the victory? I just wanna tell you today, I'm grateful today, if you're writing in your notes, write it this way, that Jesus, I'm grateful that Jesus is not the great cowboy who drives the cattle, but Jesus is the great shepherd that leads the sheep. That he is a good shepherd that wants nothing more than to lead you. Last week I read you this verse, Deuteronomy 31 verse eight that says this. This is why I want you to read the Bible slowly. The Bible says this, the Lord himself goes before you. He goes before you and he will be with you and he will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. Now I'm gonna just tell you something, read it slowly with me again. He goes before you and he is with you. Hold on, hold on, you didn't see it. Listen, he goes before you and he is with you. Now let me just tell you something, I can't do that for you. I can't go before you and I can't be with you. I can go before you but I can't be with you. I can be with you but I can't go before you. It is only the good shepherd who can say things like this, I go before you and I'm with you. You know what he does? He goes before you into the darkness. He's, he's, he goes before and he paves a path and he creates a way for you to, to walk through the darkest valley. Not so you don't walk through it and that's what you want but you really don't want that. He walks through it for you. He comes back and gets you and he grabs your hand and you walk through the dark valley together. Rarely will Jesus take the dark valley away but he will always be with you if you let him be with you. I love what the old King James says. Sometimes you just gotta go back to the old King James. This is probably, if you haven't memorized, I didn't get any amens there. <laughs> I thought I would get at least a couple, but 
I love what the old King James says. It says this, yea, though I walk through, here's what it says, the valley of the shadow of death. Now look at that slowly. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What does that tell me that the other translation doesn't tell me? It tells me that there's a shadow in the valley. Now listen, I'm not very smart. I'm like a D minus student. But how many of you smart people in the room know if there's a shadow, a shadow is proof of something, what is a shadow proof of? That there's light. The Bible is telling us that even though you walk through a dark valley, there is a light who walks with you and shines so that you can get through it and get through it the way that God has designed you to get through it. Are you hearing me today? I'm preaching 17.8% better than you're responding already today. But you gotta read the Bible slow. Because if you don't read the Bible slow, then you're not gonna get the original meaning. So for years I would read this next verse and I thought it meant something until I studied it in the original Hebrew and I realized it doesn't mean what I've always thought and preached it to be. By the way, one of the scariest things that you can do as a preacher is to go back and watch your sermons that you preached your first five years in ministry. (laughs) Dear God, how in the world did you show up at the church? And I'd preach this verse because I thought it meant something. And then I realized it meant something different. Can I read it to you? The Bible says this in Psalm chapter 37. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Think about it. I want you to listen to it. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Wait, see, for some reason, we as Christians have always thought that the steps that God orders, can I preach this for a second? That the steps that God ordered are always forward. Hello. How many of you know God's walked with me a number of days and the steps didn't go forward? Sometimes the steps went backwards. Sometimes I went to the, I'm preaching to somebody in the church today. Sometimes I went to the right. Sometimes I went to the left. Sometimes they went down. Sometimes they went forward. But I'm here to tell you this verse doesn't mean that if you just love Jesus, everything's gonna move forward. Great, no, it says that he will be with you no matter what steps you choose to take. They are ordered by God. Forward, backwards, left, or right. But we read verses like this and we think God is always into promotion, never into demotion. I'm going to tell you right now, I've been fired from more churches than I've been hired for. Do the math. I have been demoted more times than I've been promoted. Hello, I'm trying to talk to somebody today. Somebody right now that's in a valley and you got demoted, you got the news and it's defeating and it's discouraging and you feel like you're in rock bottom and you feel like God isn't with you. I've come to tell you Psalm 33 is 37 is telling you today that the steps of a good man, of a righteous man are ordered by God. So even if you're going backwards with Jesus, you're going forward with Jesus. Are you hearing me? Write this down. Often, God leads us to places we do not want to go so that we can get to where God wants us to be. Sometimes. Sometimes God will lead you to things and places that you just don't want to go. And that's the mission of our church. That's why we say around here, what's your next step? 
What's your next step? What's your next step? What's your next step? What, what's your next step? Now this is, by the way, if you've not met my friend Pepe, this has been my been friend Pepe for the last six weeks. Somebody say hi to Pepe. Pepe, right? It's Pepe, he's taught us a lot. But let me tell you something about Pepe. By the way, Pepe represents you and I. Here's the way that we've heard from TV preachers and preachers that just want to build big things and want people to come into seats and they don't teach you the real, real, real truth. Because here's what I want to tell you. Most of you want to move from mountaintop. Let's consider this a mountaintop. You want to move from mountaintop to mountaintop. Can I use this as a mountaintop? So you're in one mountaintop, you're coming to the end of that mountaintop and you want to just journey to the next mountaintop, do you not? But here's the truth. The only way for you, don't fall, that would be a bad illustration. His foot is about ready to fall. But the only way for you to move from one mountaintop to the next mountaintop, because how many know he ain't Spider-Man? Or Superman? Or Batman? Or whatever, Marvel, Avengers, whatever, I'm gonna get myself in trouble because I don't know any of them. (laughs) Is what? Is to go into the valley. Are you hearing me? The only way for you to move from the mountaintop that you are on right now to the next mountaintop is you must go down into the valley. And it gets hard. It's difficult. It may be lonely. It could be a little bit discouraging. You may feel like you're entering a defeat season. But the only way for you to go from this mountaintop to this mountaintop is you got to spend a season in the valley. And then when God sees fit for the valley moment to end, then you can spend the next season on the mountaintop. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? You need to know that. You have to know that. We don't move from mountaintop moment to mountaintop moment. See, what's interesting is this. Let me prove it to you this way. Jesus, in Matthew chapter three, was baptized. Remember the illustration, or the story, John the Baptist, like, I'm gonna baptize me. No, I can't, no, you can't, no, no, you should baptize me, no, you can't. And Jesus finally convinces John the Baptist, baptize me. Then what happens, he gets baptized, comes up out of the water. What does the Bible say? A dove comes, represents the Holy Spirit. And what does the Father say to the Son? You are my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Would you tell me, like I would tell you, that that's a mountaintop moment for Jesus? Are you hearing me? That's a mountaintop moment. And you would think he goes from mountaintop moment to raising Lazarus from the dead. Mountaintop moment to healing the demons that were in Mary Magdalene. Mountaintop moment to feeding 5,000, right? But what's interesting is after Matthew chapter three, I know this is a surprise to so many of us, but after Matthew chapter three is Matthew chapter four. And Matthew chapter four begins with this verse. It says this, Matthew four, verse one. It says, then, which is after he's baptized, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What? This is proving to us that sometimes God will lead you into the valley to know how secure your faith is and how much you really are dependent on him and how much you really do trust him or do you want him to just be your Christina Aguilera genie in a bottle? 90s kids. What do you want? You want a genie in a bottle or do you want a good shepherd that leads you? 
Because if you want a genie in the bottle, then when the genie doesn't perform for you like you want, you'll get depressed and discouraged and you'll leave the faith and go, I'm an atheist, I'm gonna go back, go away from what the Bible's always taught me. No, no, no. When I'm in the valley, I'm reminded he's the good shepherd. On the mountaintop, he's a good shepherd in the valley. Write it down in your notes this way. Mountaintops are beautiful, but valleys are fruitful. Mountaintops are great. Everybody wants a mountaintop moment. Everybody wants to live on the mountaintop. Everybody wants to be up, up top with everybody else, but nobody wants to be in the valley. But let me just say this to you. Valleys are more fruitful than the mountaintop. Let me say it this way to you. You don't grow on the mountaintop. I was talking to three couples after the first service, and they said to me, I didn't even think about God when I was on the mountaintop. And that's what happens for most of us, because everything's going great, everything's awesome, everything's fantastic, but the moment you get in the valley, you have the oh snap moment, what do I do? But there's a reason why you don't like the valley. Can I be honest with you? And this is where some of you have been. There's a reason why you don't wanna be in the valley, the in-between mountaintops. This is the reason why, because when you're in the valley, you have the propensity to sin. You have the propensity to do wrong. This is where you become addicted to alcohol. This is where you become addicted to pornography. This is where you say, I don't love you anymore and I never loved you to begin with. You don't have those conversations on mountaintop moments. You make those decisions and you make those statements when you're in the valley. Write it down in your notes this way. It's in the dark valleys where we make the most mistakes. It's in the dark valley. So let me say it this way to you. I'm giving you kind of cookies on the bottom shelf. How you do in the valley determines the outcome of your life. It's not what you do in the mountaintop moments. It's what you do in the valley. What do you do in the in-between of life? Who do you trust? Who do you depend on? Who is it that you go to? But the reason why we make so many dumb decisions when we're in the valley is because we just can't think straight. We don't know where up is and we don't know where down is. We don't know where go is and we don't know where stop is. We just don't think straight. Write it down in your notes this way. We run from the dark places because we do not recognize how valuable they are to the development and growth. That's the reason why we run. It's the reason why the Bible says we must walk. We walk slowly. We read the Bible slowly. We don't run through the valley. Now I'm gonna date myself. But when I was growing up, we didn't have, you probably have one sitting on your lap, we didn't have those things called a smartphone. Anybody else not grow up with a smartphone? We didn't have one of those, I never knew. We didn't have cell phones when I was growing up, we had nothing. In fact, I remember the days when pagers came up. Remember the pagers deal? 911, that means go find a payphone, call homeboy. It's a big deal, call somebody. I remember the days where you didn't have the, um, I gotta stop, I'll keep going. But when I was growing up, we didn't have an iPhone. I mean, you wanna take a picture now, you just grab your iPhone or your Android and all of that, and you grab it and you, you, you get your picture right there. When I was growing up, you had to go to the store and, and get something, it was a yellow thing, remember those? It was Kodak, and it came with 12 pictures. And how do we know you had to be really careful with what 12 pictures you took? Because if you took a bad picture, you're down to 11. If you let somebody else get it and you had to wind that thing up, and then what did you do? You took it to CVS or Walgreens, and what did they do with it? They took it to a special place. Where did they take it? They took it to what, what, what? Yeah, develop room, but there's a better word. They took it to, it's, it's not light, but it's? Dark, they took it to the dark room. Why? Because it's in the dark room that life is created. It's in the dark room that you get life. It's in the dark room that you get color. 
It's in the dark room that you get joy. It's in the dark room that you get truth. It's in the dark room where you get dependence on God. What I'm trying to tell somebody is while you're in the dark room of life and you're discouraged and defeated, if you will trust him, if you will lean into him, life will come out of the dark season that you're walking through. Just will. Stop praying away. The valley. When I'm in the valley, I just, just, I just keep walking. But I make sure Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father are with me. Come on, keep with me. I got community, I got friends, I got people. I'm not taking a tent, I'm not getting a new address. I'm walking through the valley, but I'm walking through the valley with my three best friends, the Trinity. Come on, somebody. I love what Paul said to the church at Corinth. He said this in 2 Corinthians. This is an incredible verse. He said, but we are all with this unveiled face, beholding as you in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as the spirit of the Lord. We're we're being transformed from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. And yes, the best is yet to come, but the growth moments that you need in your life happen in the valley season. So I wanna ask you this question. What do you need when you're in the dark? Light. Can I tell you what nobody said? To get out of the room. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. It, natural, right? No, no, good, find a new room. But find, when you gotta get up to pee in the middle of the night, that happens after 40, just so you know. You're like 2.45 in the morning, you're like, oh dear God, if I don't. And then you're like, do I get, if I get up, I'm gonna pee. I'm gonna, I don't know what to do. 40 plus people, I'm trying to preach to somebody right now. Dear God. But when you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, you don't go, dang it, curse this room, it's dark. I'm gonna go find a room that's light. No, what do you do? You immediately find the light as quickly as you can. So you don't find a room that has light, you bring the light to the room that you already have. So when you're in the valley, we don't pray for the next mountaintop. We don't do that, why? Because that's not the goal. The goal is while we're in this dark valley moment, we pray that the light of Jesus would come in. Be with me, because what you'll realize, I said this a few weeks ago, it was funny because I got a lot of mixed um, faces when I said this. If heaven doesn't have Jesus, give me hell. The only reason why heaven is appealing is because Jesus is in heaven. Can I just tell you, the streets of gold, the mansion, the, 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 the supper, the food, awesome. But if Jesus ain't up there, I don't wanna be up there. I just wanna be with Jesus for all of eternity. If he's in the depths of hell, I wanna be there. If he's on this earth, I wanna be here. If he's up in heaven, I wanna be in heaven with Jesus. I just wanna spend eternity with Jesus. So when I'm in a dark valley, can I just tell you, I don't pray to get out of it, I just invite Jesus into it. I ask him to light up this dark room so I can pee appropriately. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Psalm 119, 105 says this, the Lord is a lamp unto my feet, and what, he is a light into my path. Come on, he's the light. He's the light, it's what he does. This is the big thought. You're like, you're just now giving us the big thought. No, I, want, I intentionally gave it to you at the end of the message because I, I needed to get you massaged up so you can receive this. This is the goal of life, church. Our goal should not be to find our way out of the darkness. Our goal should be able to find God in the darkness. 
to find God in the darkness. It's in the darkness where God reveals himself true. It's in the darkness where we get who Jesus really is. It's in the darkness where our dependence on him. It's in the darkness where it reveals your character and my character. The goal is not to get out of the darkness. The goal is to invite Jesus into the darkness. Let me say this to somebody today. In the dark, we cannot lean on our own senses. We have to lean in on God's leading. You have to learn to rely on God's leading. You can't trust yourself in the dark. You can't trust your decisions in the dark. You can't trust yourself in the dark. You can't trust what you did in the past season in the dark. We've got to trust Jesus. I love what Proverbs 3 says. It's one of the famous verses in the Bible. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And what's the next line say? And lean not on your own understanding. I love how that statement is sandwiched between trust in the Lord and acknowledge him. The only way for you to trust him and acknowledge him. Do you see that? Did you see that? You gotta read the Bible slowly. Trust him and then skip the bold and it says acknowledge him, right? Does it say that? Hello, does it say that? Yeah, what does it say in between? The only way for you to trust him and acknowledge him is you can't depend on yourself in the valley. You can't lean in on yourself. You can't trust your understanding. You can't trust your degree. You can't trust the word you got last week. You need to trust in him for today. He is giving you food for today. What happened to the Israelites in the Old Testament? They tried to store up. It didn't work. Got dust and maggots and disgusting. They needed it for today. He is our daily bread. The only way, listen to me, the only way for you to trust him from mountaintop moment to mountaintop moment when you're in the valley is there something has to happen on the inside of you. There has to be this something inside of you. I'm gonna use the word, but there has to be something inside of you. And you have to determine what this five letter, P-E-A-C-E, five, sorry, five letter word, five letter word is, and that is peace. Any peace. Not P-I-E-C-E, but P-E-A-C-E, peace. You need peace. You need internal peace, this internal peace. But let me just tell you something. Natural peace, natural peace that the world offers only can come after you understand. Let me say this for you. So I don't quit my job till I get the next job. That's natural peace. I don't, I don't, dating, I'm not talking about married people, dating. I'm not breaking up with this person until I know that there's somebody else out there. That's natural peace. I'm not gonna start, start tithing until God blesses me. That's natural peace. See, natural peace comes after you get the understanding. But supernatural peace comes before understanding. Supernatural peace comes that while I'm in the valley, day one, day 10, day 20, while I'm in the valley and while I have no idea why I'm in this valley and why God took me away from the mountaintop, while I'm in the valley, I can have an internal peace that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I could be grateful that he has separated my sin as far as the east is from the west. I could be grateful today that he has called me his son, he has called me his daughter. I could be grateful today that he never leaves me or forsakes me. I think I'd be thankful today that God has said that I am more than a conqueror for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so while I'm in the valley, I just trust what I know from the deepest core, from the peace that God has given to me. He is the peace. Reading the Bible slow. Let me give you a verse and one more thought. Here's a verse that I've misquoted my whole upbringing. In fact, I 
I remember preaching a series through Romans a few years ago and I misquoted it then too. It's my favorite chapter in all the Bible. My favorite verses in this chapter, my favorite chapter in all the Bible is Romans chapter eight. Love it. In fact, probably one day I'm gonna do a whole series on Romans chapter eight. Love it. But there's a verse in Romans chapter eight that gets misquoted. And I have to, I have to clear it up so you understand when you read the Bible. The reason why, the reason why you're leaving the faith is because we're misunderstanding what the Word of God says. So people say all the time, God will never give you more than you can handle. Where's that in the Bible? Let me say this to you, God will always give you more than you can handle. It's not the Bible. God will always give you more than you are able to handle. But we hear thoughts like this to say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. Come again? No. God will always give you more than you can handle. But he also says that while you got more than you can handle, he will never leave you or forsake you in the middle of your more than you can handle. Here's another verse. That was free. Romans 8, verse 18. This is such a fascinating verse. Verse 18 says, For I consider, this is a good thing, by the way. This is a good revelation. For I consider that the sufferings of this present day, have you read this verse before? Are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, I, I used to read that verse, and you may have read it too, and thought, that is comparing heaven to earth. That's the glory that we get on the other side. That's the glory that we get when we get to heaven. That's the new body. That's the new, that's the new heaven. That's the new earth. That's the new, that's eternity. The, 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 there's another glory that we're going to get, and it'll be revealed to us when we get to heaven. That's not what that verse means. What that verse is actually telling us is that we can have that glory on this earth when we go through difficult times. Go read it on your own. And actually Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter eight that there are gonna be other people that see you walk through what you're walking through. And the Bible says that you will astonish them because you're walking through the same thing that they're walking through, but you're walking through it differently. That's the glory that God has given to you this side of eternity. Can I get an amen right there? Last thought. You can walk in such peace during difficult times that people around you will accuse you of not understanding the circumstance. Anybody ever been accused of that? You ever been in a valley and she was like, why, why you, you must just not. I had a lady come up to me today. She was her, her husband was literally dying. And she's like, people were saying all the nice things to me and all the nice things. And she was, I was and like, I don't think she really understands the validity and the magnitude of what's going on here. I don't think she understands it. She goes, no, I got faith. I got faith. I got faith. She was walking through a situation that everybody else was walking through, but she chose to walk through it differently than everybody else. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to walk through the valley just like your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your parent, your kid. They're walking through the same valley that you're walking through. But your ministry from going from glory to glory is to go through the valley different than the other people are going through. Amen? Let me end with this. The Bible says that even though we walk through non-King James, the darkest valley, King James, the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear evil. I hope, I hope I've made that clear to you today. Why? Because his rod and staff, his staff and his rod comfort us. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've talked a lot about the staff. I'm not gonna lean in on that, but the staff is what brings you back in when you do something that gets off track. 
put this around your neck and he'll bring you back in and say, come on, bro, come on, sister, it's time, get back in. And there's a lot of theological debate and it's okay if you disagree with me and that's totally fine, but I'm just gonna lean in on my belief on this. Is there's also the rod. Now the primary purpose of the rod was to fend off the wolves and the lions and the bears and the things that were going to attack the sheep. The good shepherd would use this to kill animals. Come on, somebody. But the other thing that this rod was used for, in my opinion, in my study, that you can disagree with me and that's okay, but it was also used that when a sheep got too far out, continue to drift, continue to not get it, the shepherd would take the rod and say, it's been two weeks, it's been three weeks, it's been a month, and he would take the rod and he would pop the sheep on the back of the leg and he would break the leg of the sheep. Now, listen, if you're new in your faith, that you hate that. But if you've been walking with Jesus for long, long enough, I'm like, you got broken bones and broken fingers and it's Jesus and he has popped you to bring you back in. You've seen the picture, right? Have you not? So what happens is the shepherd takes the rod and he pops the sheep and breaks the sheep's leg. And then what happens, the shepherd, you've seen this, go Google it. The shepherd takes the sheep and he puts the sheep on his shoulder, does he not? Now go Google it because you'll see it. There is one leg that's bandaged, is it not? Not four, not three, not two, just one. There's one leg. And it's because the shepherd, this sheep, has just gotten a little off track. I, can, I know what that's like. I'm that sheep. I got OCD, ADD, ADHD, QYZ, XYZ, and ABC. Anybody else got those right there? I got them all. Like I got all the letters. I got, all, I got, I got the whole CVS pharmacy. My, it's, all of them. I got them all. Um, so I know what it's like to get off track. And so the good shepherd would take the, pop them and break his sheep. History tells us they would spend about four to six weeks nursing this sheep back to health. And it'd get that time, six weeks, that the shepherd would look at Pepe. Pepe, ready? It's been a long time. We've been together. You ready? We've trained. You got back on. You ready? Pepe, go, I'm ready. The shepherd would take the sheep, Pepe, and he'd put the sheep right next to him, and the, the, the shepherd would go, run! And the sheep would stay right here. Go! And the sheep would stay right here. Go, you're free, go! And the sheep would stay right here. Because for four to six weeks, the sheep has realized his dependence on the shepherd. That even though the correction came, with the correction came the protection. And so now, usually 12, eight, eight to 12 weeks, this sheep, not with a leash, but the sheep will not leave the shepherd's side because the sheep has understood what it was like to depend on the shepherd. Can I tell somebody today, the Lord will pop you, but he will nurse you back because in the end, you'll stay right by his side and understand your dependence on Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anybody grateful for the rod and the staff to protect us? If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I want to pray for some people in the church today, watching online, those in the room, that you've been, maybe you've been, you've been in a valley for a length of time, and it's just, my goodness, it's been difficult. It's been painful. Maybe it's a valley in your marriage. Maybe it's a valley with your kids. Maybe it's at work but you've been in a valley and it's been discouraging. You feel almost defeated. 
I'd love to pray for you. Man, it would be my greatest honor to pray for you if you're in a valley. Would you just lift your hand up just so I can pray for you? Man, I just wanna look you eyeball to eyeball. I'm gonna call you out. I just wanna pray for you. I just wonder who I'm praying for. Awesome, so many people. Awesome. Let me just say this to you with your hand. Let me just say this to you, I'm sorry. Just as your pastor, let me just say this to you. I'm sorry that you're in the valley. I'm sorry that you're in a difficult place. Whether you're, you're, you put yourself there or somebody else did, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're walking through this, but I'd love to pray for you. So Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of your word, I pray that you would minister to your kids today. I pray that just like salve fixes our physical wounds, I thank you that oil is what fixes our soul. I pray that the oil of the Holy Spirit would just minister to your kids today, that you would heal what's broken, that you would redeem what needs to be fixed, that you would mend what has been separated. I pray that we would see you. I pray right now, as your hand is up, I pray right now that you would see God right now. See him right now. See the good shepherd right now in the valley. See him right now. Picture him right now. Picture him. Where is Jesus at right now in your valley? Picture him. Where is he at? Where is he at right now? Picture him. And be reminded this morning that he never leaves you, that he never forsakes you. His rod and his staff, they protect you. Now with your head bowed and with your eyes closed and with nobody looking around, I realize in a room this full, I realize that some of you, you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. You, you've, you've not walked with Jesus. And the very first step that you've got to do is receive your sheepness, that you are a sheep in needing of a shepherd. You can't just be a wayward sheep, you will die. The wolves will kill you, the lions will eat you alive. You need a shepherd who can protect you in this thing called life. And if you've never received Jesus as your savior, the good shepherd, the Bible says today's the day of salvation. Today's the moment. If you've never done that before, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. Say, Jesus, come in my life, heal me, redeem me, be my good shepherd. I give you my sin and I receive salvation. Past, present, and future sin. I receive you, fullness of who you are in my life today. Now with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, I'm not gonna embarrass you, okay? That's not what we do, it's not this type of church. But if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I'm gonna ask you, I just wanna know who I prayed that with. I think it's the greatest thing you'll do in your entire life. If you prayed and you meant it, would you do me a favor? Would you just lift your hand up just so I know I prayed that prayer? Just lift it real tall. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I see you. I see you right here. Lift it real tall just so I can see you. I see you right here. I see you in the back. I see you right here in the middle. I see you right here. I see you right here. Okay, anybody else? Anybody on my left? I see you. Three people right here. Awesome. I see you. All three of you. See you in the back, sweetheart, right there. Awesome. So here's what I I see you right here. Yeah, both of you. Sorry. All right, here's what I need you to do. With your hand lifted, would you just, would you just, nobody's looking, just me and you. Would you look up here at me if you prayed that prayer? Just so I know I'm making not, was it you, you both of you? you? You prayed that prayer? You prayed that prayer? Gave your life to Jesus? A couple right here, there's two people right here, right? Sh sh nod your head just so I can see you. I see you. A couple people, I see you, sir. Awesome, so proud of you. Right here, you prayed that prayer. Did you mean that? Giving your life to Jesus? Awesome, awesome. A couple over here, you three right here, did you mean that? Did you, did you pray the prayer to receive Jesus as your savior? Did you do that? Did you mean it in the deepest parts of your heart? Awesome. So here's what I want you to do. Would you do me a favor? Anybody else? Did I miss anybody else? Awesome. You did, did you pray it? Awesome. So proud of you. So proud of you. So here's what I need you to do. In just a moment, we're gonna stand and we're gonna worship. Here's what I need you. It's huge. It's a big deal. You're signed, sealed, delivered. Heaven is your home, but we wanna help you. 
because it's this is a crummy word world we live in. The devil is loud and culture's loud. We want to help walk with you. So here's what I need all of you, about 10 of you, 10 or 12 of you. Here's what I need you to do me a favor. There's a card in your seat in front of you. It's a, I think it's a green card. It says, uh, next step. I want you to take a moment and fill that out. At the end of the service, you're going to take it to somebody in the lobby. They've got green shirts on. Take it to the lobby, hand it to them and say, I prayed the prayer of the pastor and we're going to help you with your next steps. We're going to give you the materials you need to walk with Jesus for the rest of your life. Amen. Can you do that for me? Awesome. The rest of us, can we give God praise for that? So proud of you. So proud of you. Awesome. Hey, would we stand? We're going to go into a time of response. I believe some of y'all need to come to the altar and bury at the altar your desires. So I'm going to invite the prayer team up. If you need to come to the cross, put something on the cross. Maybe a decision you need to make, give it back to Jesus. Come forward, grab your spouse's hand, your friend's hand. Come take communion. Light a candle for somebody that's far from Jesus and say, Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit, invade their life. Whatever it is, respond. Amen? Respond. Respond as the worship team leads. Let's respond. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about Wellspring Community Church, visit our website at wellspringfl.com. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend services. We'll see you in the next episode.